Welcome to the Alien Gang Podcast. I am your host, Tiara Latrice, and I wanted to do a very special episode because in light of recent events surrounding mass shootings, school shootings, and this whole case with Timothy George Simpkins, I think it's only fair that we provide a fair analysis of what is going on when it comes to these situations. Now, while of course the easiest thing to do is to paint a narrative and try to assume we know what's going on when it comes to these particular stories. But I think it's only fair if we analyze everything, because honestly, if you depend on the opinions and outlooks of people on social media, you're going to get things twisted. If you depend on the news to give you a narrative, it's not always going to make sense. It's best that you do your own research and formulate your own opinions and morals. So today, we're definitely going to talk about Timothy Simpkins' situation but we're also going to go down the line with some things that you may or may not know in regards to a lot of these mass shootings. So before I do that, I have a quick little ad that I'd like to play and then we'll get straight into it. Hello, my alienated family. In times like these, it's very important that we take care of ourselves and each other on a physical, mental, and spiritual level. And thanks to Amazon, I've been able to find amazing products and use them to not only help myself, my family, and even those that I love. And now you can do the same thing as well. I have my own alienated goodies list at my Amazon shop that you guys can check out today and purchase some amazing items. Head over to Amazon.com slash shop slash The Tiara Latrice Show and you guys will see everything from vitamins to essential oils, hair care products, skin care products, cleaning products, and much more. I even have some books up there that you guys can read to keep yourselves educated in times like this. So yes, head over to my shop, purchase something, and you'll also be supporting me as well. Thank you guys for your time and please take care of yourselves and each other and keep yourself in line. Later, Alien Family. All right, so we're back. We are in tune and we are ready. So let's get into the case scenario surrounding um, Timothy Simpkins. He is a Timberview High School student who apparently was caught with a gun, used it within the building. And from what has been described, it was basically a self-defense mechanism. So let's get into the details surrounding this particular instance. So Timothy is 18 years old and he got into a fight at school, which he says it seems to be a repetitive situation where he was being bullied. And apparently he got tired of being bullied. He got robbed twice and decided to bring the gun to school. So here's the thing that I need for people to understand in regards to this situation. Um, One, this is not a broadcast that is going to be sitting here, you know, acknowledging any kind of violence or condoning any kind of violence. But from how the family describes this situation is basically an ongoing thing where he continuously endured the same behaviors and the school didn't really get involved the way that they were supposed to. The, the situation described as um, he drew a 45 caliber handgun and around 9.15 in the morning. And after he pulled the handgun after 
getting into an altercation. He apparently fired the gun off and he left the school in fleet in his 2018 silver Dodge charger. And after hours of trying to get him, he ended up turning himself in and was charged with three counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Now, if that's not disparaging enough, when you read a headline like that, you know, it's just the constant situations where the youth are going to school. They're getting a hand, they're getting their hands on these guns and they're taking them to school because sometimes they feel as if they have no other recourse. Now we're going to get into what the family said and they are quoted during a press conference saying the decision he made taking the gun, we are not justifying that. That was not right, but he was trying to protect himself. And they hope that the, the, the police department does the investigation properly into the situation. Now, the video has been circulating online. And from what people are perceiving on social media is that this young man indeed was attacked and he was defending himself. But bringing the gun to school is not being justified by the family at all. Now, thankfully, no one has died at the hands of this situation, which I'm so thankful for in this particular instance. No justification. You understand what I'm saying to you? Because in this situation, it says a 25-year-old teacher was shot. A teenage girl was treated and released after being grazed. And a pregnant teacher was injured in a fall and treated at the scene. I assume trying to duck from anything hitting her. You know what I'm saying? So this is an unfortunate situation, no matter which way you put it. Completely unfortunate. Completely horrible. You know what I'm saying? This had to be scary for the other students that were in the school. This had to be scary for um, any personnel that were in the building. However, there's been a long case scenario of school shootings. Now, this is where I want to address the things that are being said on social media in regards to this. Some people are elated and happy that he was able to get out on $75,000 bond. They're elated about this, that he's free and he's able to be home. I want to clarify something. Him being out on bond has nothing to do with conviction because he still has to go to court. He still has to make his argument and the investigation still has to be done. Okay, so let's clarify that right there. Secondly, I think that the focus is being directed in the wrong area. We're focused more on the fact that this is a young black man and people are so convinced that this young black man was the first one to ever, you know, participate in a shooting at a school. I have to destroy that because honestly, that's not true. He's not the first. He's he, and, and we're praying that this would be the last. But when you have situations like this, where someone feels like they're backed into a corner and they don't have support or a means of being able to facilitate a better thought process to deal with conflict, these are the situations that we end up with. And I'm pretty sure that he did not intend to fire and hit anyone that was not indeed his intended target. But there have to be deeper conversations with our children in regards to how you handle these conflicts when you're presented with a situation that you feel you have no other recourse. I condemn the school system for 
if indeed this was a situation where this young man was being bullied, that they did not handle the bullies. And he indeed had to take this on his own shoulders because at this point, the family has made it very well known that they have tried to attack this head on and they were not supported in that matter. And, and that is ridiculous. I think that's completely, completely horrible. But we have to end this. Something has to give because it makes no sense where we have these constant situations where the youth are getting their hands on these guns, whether they're getting it off the street, if they're getting it from a family member's house, if they're getting it from their own home. Like there has to be better ways that we can outline these situations and deal with them. Because right now we've had too many school shootings and the way the news paints it is like they're tracing these mass shootings since that of Columbine or Sandy Hook. We have to go even further than that. And I have to be completely honest with you. Okay. So what I want to do is I want to get into some, I want to get into some knowledge. I really want you guys to be educated on this particular topic. I want you to know everything that goes into this scenario when it comes to mass shooting or school shootings. Now for me, I always considered a mass shooting where like many, many, many people are shot and or die at the hands of the shooter. I never knew that they looped in, okay, a situation where a child, a teen brings a gun and unfortunately it may, you know, hit a person or one person. They looped them all in as mass shootings. I really never knew that. But, um, one thing I can say is that Wikipedia has a very elaborate breakdown of all the school shootings that have taken place since the year 2000, okay? Since the early 2000s, okay? They, they have a very good list, okay? Very good list. And I have to bring this list into play in order for us to understand just how many of these have actually taken place. Okay. I have to do it because it's the only way we're going to learn from this. Okay. Now, if we're dealing with just the um, 21st century, dealing with the two thousands, right? We've had a school shooting in Flint, Michigan, Florida, Seattle, Washington, Arkansas, New Orleans, San Diego, um, California, like a lot of instances where there are so many shootings and you continue to go further down the line from 2002, 2004, 2006, all the way down to where we are now at 2021. And if you go all the way down to the bottom of that list, yes, indeed. Um, the shooting surrounding Timothy Simpkins is here. It's been added in Arlington, Texas. Okay. That's where we're at. Okay. There've been so many that this, like, you can see how long this list is. Okay. How long this list is. And it's, it's crazy. How, it's just too many, whether it's injuries, deaths, it's too many. It's, it's, it's absurd that there's not been some kind of recourse or better understanding of these situations to where we don't have to keep constantly seeing these headlines in the news. Now, here's what I will say. Now, some of you may say that I am playing devil's advocate when it comes to this topic. I'm going to oblige all opinions and make you formulate a better opinion. Because at this stage of the game, everybody wants to play the race card. Everybody wants to play the mental illness card, the 
thug card. Everybody wants to throw this out there, no matter like whatever side you're on, black, white, whatever. Okay, so let's attack one of the narratives. Okay, we're gonna attack it one by one. Um, the first narrative that always reigns true is you know we get into these debates on social media about different school shootings, the level of severity of the shootings. Okay, let's be real. Let's be very clear here. Let's be very clear here. Yes, there are many, many school shootings that have taken place, but the ones that always stick out are the ones that we are going to get into as of right now, okay? And I'm going to be fair in everything that I explained to you today because there's no other way around this, okay? So we all remember the Sandy Hook shooting. We all remember that, correct? We all know about the Sandy Hook Elementary School. We, we all know about that. We are aware, we witness the hurt, the pain, everything that has transpired at the hands of this particular shooting. And I'm not even gonna go in order because right now there's no need to go in order, okay? And that was the shooting con conducted by that of Adam Lanza, okay? This boy, well, this young man, he had shot his mother first and then went to the elementary school and he killed 21st graders and six educators before taking his own life. Okay. We remember that. That was horrible. That was, that was horrible. And they released a 114 page report. I'm going to get the date for this for you. November 21st, 2014. They got the date for this. It was a 114-page report on this, y'all, okay? For the fact that this man could go into the school and kill these first graders, and I'm he was 20. People are going to say there was no justifiable reason for him to do this, to kill those innocent babies, okay? So then they had this breakdown of the disturbing things they found out about him. He had a fallout with his one and only friend, right? Moving with his mother, falling out with the friend, right? Somebody that you play video games with on a daily basis, not being willing to adjust to change. Talked to his friend about the topic of mental health and depression. Never indicated he was diagnosed with anything. He told a friend that mental health issues were not a reflection of the character of a person, but symptoms of something going else going on inside of a person. So apparently they're saying that he was dropping hints that something may be wrong with him inadvertently, okay? And unfortunately, I don't think that he ever communicated these issues with his mother. But that had nothing to do with going inside the school and murdering 20 first grade students. Had nothing to do with it. There's, it's inexcusable, right? So then again, in the case of Timothy Simpkins, people try to loop in one shooting with the narrative of another shooting and it doesn't quite add up. Granted, I don't think anyone should have their hands on a gun and go into school ground or even be able to get past school grounds with a gun. That will never make sense to me. That will never make sense to me. But unfortunately, here we are. Now, again, people were quick to point out the fact that he had mental issues, that there may have been something deeply embedded within him that he had not dealt with. 
And I notice how that narrative gets painted a lot. It's like for some people, people want to use mental illness when it comes to certain people, but then when it comes to others, they're thugs, they're troublemakers. They, they're not thinking clearly. So we have to honestly get to a point where we analyze situations for what they are and stop trying to generalize everybody as this and everybody as that. Because right now what we have is a series of young adults, teenagers, and children who are going into these schools, don't know how to use the gun, and they're harming people, killing people in mass numbers, okay? They said that he, this man had significant developmental challenges from early childhood, communication and sensory issues, socialization delays, and repetitive behaviors. Seen by a New Hampshire birth to three intervention program when he was three years old, referred for special education, preschool services. So they always love to outline the disadvantages when it comes to certain you know, instances, such as with that of Adam Lanza, who killed 20 first grade students who had done nothing to him. It's inexcusable. Now, some people say that the children were a representation of how he felt his childhood didn't go well or certain traumas in his child, but those kids didn't do anything to facilitate in what he may have gone through as a child. But on the other side of things, we have to understand that sometimes it may not be in our interest to try to judge or assess the situation because we were not there. We were not in his mind. And I totally get that. But I notice how when we go down the line of people who have committed these crimes, one narrative is suitable for one group, but not for others. Right? And that's never fair to me. We have to analyze things for what they are. And we have to be fair in our analysis when it comes to this. Because again, we're having instances where innocent people are being caught in the crosshairs of other people's dysfunctions, feelings, and emotions. For whatever the reason may be. I'm going to show y'all something that is going to blow your mind. And I'm going to explain something so I can appease to every narrative people want to paint out there. Okay. So the narrative that people are saying that this young black male, Timothy Simpkins is the only black person that we've ever heard of that has been African-American and has gotten into a situation such as this. Okay. I'll appease you for those of you that want to say that um, there are just as many black school shooters, mass shooters, as there is white ones. Y'all want to go there, right? Fine. I'll appease you. I'll appease you. I'm going to go to the most saddest story that I saw. The most saddest story that I saw in regards to a young youth that had no knowledge of why he did something. Okay. Let it be noted that they say for the 2000s, the youngest school shooter was a six-year-old boy by the name of Dedrick, Dedrick Owens, okay? Dedrick Owens. And I won't show this picture because, again, it's a picture of a then minor, and I'm not entirely sure as to this young man's whereabouts today. But um, he had killed another classmate who was six years old. And, yes, this is a young African-American boy. Okay, but the story behind this is sad. It's really sad. So let me break it down to you. He was a six year old first grader 
And unfortunately, he killed um, a fellow classmate by the name of Caleb Rowland. They went to a school in Mount Morris Township, um, DOJ Buell Elementary School. He found a 32 caliber handgun in his uncle's home. And during a class changing period in the presence of a teacher and 22 students, he shot his classmate. And at six years old, he's believed to be the youngest school shooting shooter and she being the youngest school shooting victim in U.S. history. He only fired one shot, which entered Roland's right arm before traveling to her vital organs. Roland died at Hurley Medical Center while in cardiac arrest. Now, here's the thing about this, right? This, this young six-year-old boy was never charged for this murder, right? And there's two reasons. One, because of his age and because he was not able to form intent, meaning he didn't have a reason in his mind to explain why he did it. He didn't have a reason. He didn't know why he did it. He just knew he had a gun. He knew what a gun did. He took it to school and he didn't understand the severity and the seriousness of what he was about to do. This boy was six, six years old. Now, while he couldn't be charged, he couldn't be charged. His uncle and two other men were charged because the uncle kept the 32 caliber pistol ended up pleading no contest to involuntary manslaughter and spent 2.5 years in prison before being released and spending a period of time on probation. The other adults involved would be in and out of the court systems for years to follow. Okay. This story was also featured in um, the Michael Moore film bowling for Columbine. Okay. But this is the youngest that we know of school shooting that, that we're aware of. This is the youngest one. But here we have someone that had no intent. It was a youth, a young youth, a first grader, had no idea what he was doing. So are we going to condemn him or are we going to forgive him? Because this is the youngest one, the youngest one, the most unfortunate. These babies hadn't even lived their life yet. That young girl had not even seen life yet. And here we are just from example, whatever example this young man saw, he thought that this was okay. So let's also get to the fact that in some instances, when it comes to these shootings, sometimes it's also the example that they have at home. And that has nothing to do with color. But if a six-year-old can have the concept to know what a gun does, go to school, and unfortunately murder a fellow classmate with no intent, nothing, if we're gonna look at the scope of why these things keep happening, we gotta dig a little bit deeper than just the surface. We gotta dig a little bit deeper. We gotta find some clarity. We gotta find some understanding here. We gotta find some understanding. Because if we don't, we're gonna have generations and generations of more and more of these shootings, whether there's an intent or no intent, and we're not gonna get down to the crux of how do we put a stop to this? How do we? Because this happened in the year 2000, if I'm not mistaken a six-year-old and we have generations and generations to follow of these things continuing to happen where lives are being lost and at some point we have to look beyond the race scope and not keep having one scope and one outlook for one group and then all the other ones are monsters they're demons they're thugs like we have to get to the crux of each and every situation not excusing behavior not making excuses or make excuses, give them labels, and everybody gets help. 
So you got to stop saying, oh, this group needs counseling. They need therapy. They don't need jail. And on this other hand, we're saying, oh, they need to be locked up. Give them life. We have to stop that. We have to approach every situation for what it is. Because the way the media paints, I'm going to be honest with you, all the shootings that I saw in Wikipedia, I can't even remember seeing half or even more than half of these stories on the news. Maybe in local news, you know, where you live, like if a particular shooting happened in where you live, you probably saw it. But national news, most of these did not make national news except for the most notable ones. But then when it started to get to that situation where it's like people always ridiculing, you know, the Caucasian shooters and things like that. Now, now we have the whole story with Timothy Simpkins to disrupt the narrative. Like, hey, it's not just white people shooting up the schools. Here's a black kid. Here's a black kid. Here's a black kid. But the narrative that was going to try to be run is like, this is just a regular person that decided to take a gun to school. Here's his family saying he was bullied. The same way with all these other people. He was bullied. He was teased. He had mental issues. We have to draw a line somewhere because in the midst of all these issues and all this bullying, there are innocent lives that are being lost. There are children, youth that will never come back. And something deeper has to be done. Something deeper has to be done. Quick commercial, and I'll be back. Salutations. My name is the Queen of Shade. I am an international recording artist, now streaming in 56 countries. I am a mentor and motivational speaker. And yes, I am a social media influencer. Interested in having conversations that will help you become the very best you you ever thought possible? Interested in having conversations that help you reach your dreams, goals, and aspirations? Well, my dear, you have come to the right place. I can help you for a price. But darling, it's worth it. If you are interested in anything that I have said, look me up. Once again, I am the queen of shade and I can help you, bitch. And we're back. And there's way more that I'm going to dig into for y'all. Way more. Because this, this is just, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Okay? This is just the tip of the iceberg. Just the tip of the iceberg. Because we're dealing with a serious issue here. We're dealing with a serious issue. Because now I want to go into another situation that compares to that of Timothy's. So let me get that up on the screen for y'all because let me get this up here because when I tell you there are so, 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 so many, 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 many situations that we can look at in comparison to other situations, it's ridiculous. Like for example, this one, this one right here. Do you remember the story of Larry King back in 2008? Back in 2008. Yeah, we're going to go there. In case you don't remember, let's, let's rewind in time. Mm -hmm. On the left is Lawrence, a.k.a. Larry King, who was killed by Brandon McKierney in 2008 for being gay. 
killed this boy for being gay. Now, granted, this wasn't a mass shooting, but this was a school shooting, okay? And he was able to get a plea deal. He ended up going to, to prison for 21 years. 21 years. So let's get into the reason behind this one. Now, this wasn't where this person was being bullied. This was deliberate, completely deliberate, because he didn't approve of this person's lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Says in a fit of homophobic rage, he killed King and Oxner because he was offended by King's dress and how the victim dealt with him. Comedian Ella DeGeneres, who's a lesbian, waiting on a talk show about the shooting and said gay shouldn't be treated as second-class citizens. Prosecutors contended McKierney embraced the white supremacist philosophy that sees homosexuality as an abomination. Defense attorneys claimed he reached an emotional breaking point after King made repeated unwanted sexual advances. He offered a plea deal that would have him sent to prison for 25 years to life, but his attorney passed, right? Mm-hmm. But here, another school shooting, another senseless life lost because of one person's personal beliefs. This young man was killed because he chose to be gay. Because he chose to be gay. No threat to his life, nothing. But he went to school with a gun and shot this boy because of his preference. I'll never forget this one. I'll never forget this one. So I'm like, who, who has the right to kill someone because they're gay. But yeah, even in this situation, they said that he reached a mental breaking point. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is, this is just how they paint the situation. This is how they paint the situation all the time. All the time. Another unfortunate loss of life. For no reason. For no reason at all. No reason at all. But the mental scope was used. That he reached a mental breaking point. There are many people who have reached mental breaking points. Many people. But they don't get the same leeway as others. But I get it. Y'all want proof that it was, it's not just Caucasian people that do the school shooting. So no problem. I'll give you another one. I'm going to suit every narrative y'all want to throw out there, but giving you the full story because it seems like no matter, no matter what you say, no matter what you think, no matter the facts that are put in view, everything has to be compared. Okay? So here. Let's suit your narratives. Okay? Because I'm seeing what y'all are saying on social media. And at this point, I don't care to suit a narrative. I care to tackle the problem. Okay? So here we go. Teen suspect and teacher murder testifies he did not mean to harm the man. Okay? So, this is the story of Nathaniel Brazil, okay? A 14-year-old boy on trial for the shooting death of a middle school English teacher testified that he did not mean to harm the man, okay? Nathaniel Brazil was 13 when he was charged with firing a shot from a cheap pistol that killed Barry Grunrow a few minutes before school let out for summer break. If convicted, the only sentence is life in prison without parole. Are you a psycho? Defense attorney Robert Udell asked Brazil. No, Brazil said. Are you demented? What does that mean, Brazil said. He, they, he was told it means that you are a cold-blooded killer. No, Brazil said. Did you mean to harm Mr. Grunrow? No. 
Defense attorney said earlier that Brazil got upset when the teacher refused to let him talk to two friends in his class, but did not mean to fire the gun. They said his finger accidentally pulled the trigger. When asked by Udell whether he was having any problems at school or home, he said no. He said he was doing well in most of his classes, but did receive a couple of D grades. He said he deserved the grades and wasn't angry with the teachers in those classes. Brazil also said he liked Grunroll, who gave him an F in the final grading period. He was a nice guy, good teacher. He made his class fun. Udell questioned Brazil about a letter addressed to Grunroll, which police found in his room and was read in court last week. Brazil wrote that his friends and teachers were picking on him and he was considering suicide. He said it was a fictional letter that I began writing for an assignment. Most everything in the letter was a joke. The teen who said he'd like to be a prankster said he had a fake hit list with the names of his friends. He never intended to hurt any of them. When asked about the gun used in the shootings, he said he took it from a cookie tent in his grandfather's bedroom because he was going on a hunting trip with his uncle that summer, and he took five bullets. Runroe was shot to death May 26, 2000, the last day of classes for the year at Lake Worth Middle School. Prosecutor said Brazil was angry because the school council had suspended him and sent him home earlier in the day. Brazil, who's being tried as an adult, also could be found guilty of second-degree murder or manslaughter, and those charges carry lighter sentences. At one point, Detective Dan Bolin asked Brazil why he cried after the shooting because he made a stupid mistake. And me and the teacher, we was good friends. I don't know what happened. He pointed the pistol at Grunroll to scare the teacher into letting him say goodbye for the summer to the two girls he told the police. Okay. The trial was interrupted for a time. The jury watched a videotape of Nathaniel Brazil's confession to police. A spectator rose from his seat and shouted to the jurors, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Nate is a child. He goes to a child's school. He can't have a driver's license. He can't buy alcohol. He cannot be tried in an adult court. William Van Netta said, ladies and gentlemen, it's wrong to try a 13-year-old as an adult. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. Right? So this is all happening during the trial. Saying that he should not be tried as an adult. That he should be tried as a juvenile. But indeed, this is what happened in this situation. And if you ask me anyone that can make up something fictional like that saying that um they he had a hit list and all this other stuff and it wasn't valid that could be said as a, as a mental defect as well his grades weren't all that great but again people want to generalize stories it's either we want to hold people accountable or we don't it's either we want people to be incarcerated for their crimes or everybody needs to get out. Because at this point, if we keep going the way that social media is going, you might as well pull out every single person that has ever been incarcerated for a school shooting, a mass shooting, and just throw everybody in therapy or throw everybody in jail. Or we deal with it head on and attack each scenario as it is and deal with it. It's either going to stop making excuses for some and not all. Or like we have to get down to the crux of each situation because every situation is indeed different. We cannot allow the media to help perpetrate a narrative to take ranks of how many black people have done school shooting, how many white people, how many Spanish people, how many Asian people. Because then if we want to go to the whole narrative about, um, you know, a person of, of different nationalities and descent. Okay, let's do that too. Let's do it. Let's do it all. Let's stop playing games and let's stop playing around. Okay. So then let's go here. Let's go here. Because I don't have 
the patience to, to deal with this. I don't. Hold on. Here we go. Remember the case of Virginia Tech? Remember that one? Remember that one? Do you remember Virginia Tech? Because I do. I remember Virginia Tech. Could never forget that either. Neither black nor white. Let's go to the picture. Let's go to the details. In high school, Cho Song Hoi almost never opened his mouth when he finally did. His classmates laughed, pointed at him, and said, go back to China. As such details of the Virginia Tech shooter's life comes out and experts pour over his writings and his videotape ran is becoming increasingly clear that Cho was almost a textbook case of a school shooter. A painfully awkward, picked on young man who lashed out with methodical fury at a world he believed was out to get him. In virtually every regard, Cho is a prototypical of mass killers that I've studied for the past 25 years, said Northeastern University criminal justice professor James Allen Fox. That doesn't mean, however, that one could have predicted his rampage. When criminologists and psychologists look at mass murders, Cho fits the themes. They see repeatedly a friendless figure, someone who has been bullied, someone who blames others and is bent on revenge, a careful planner, a male, and someone who sent up warning signs with his strange behavior long in advance. Among other things, the 23-year-old South Korean immigrant was sent to a psychiatric hospital and pronounced an imminent danger to himself. He was accused of stalking two women and photographing female students in class with a cell phone and his violence-filled writings were so disturbing he was removed from one class and professors begged him to get counseling. He rarely looked anyone in the eye and did not even talk to his own roommates. He killed 32 people and committed suicide at the Blacksburg campus Monday, cast himself in his video diatribe as a prosecuted figure like Jesus Christ, who came to the U.S. at age eight in 1992, whose parents worked at dry cleaners in suburban Washington, also ranted against rich brats with Mercedes, gold necklaces, cognac, and trust funds. Now, please keep in mind here, I want to point this out too, because again, I want to be fair. I want to be fair. I really want y'all to consider something. I want y'all to consider something. And I got to remove this off to, just, just so I can ask y'all a question. In a lot of these situations, in some of these situations, you know, um, some of these school shooters have, you know, committed suicide. Because, you know, they don't want to either deal with the weight of what they've done or they couldn't live with themselves in general and want to take a, a few people with them based off whatever premise. But I ask y'all this question because I want you to think. Even in the case of Timothy Simpkins, what if this had been a situation where this young man had unfortunately dealt with all these things so much that he ended up taking his own life? Would the media have done a job to make sure that whatever he was going through was properly put in place for us to know what he really was going through? That's another question you have to consider because again, I just gave you a case with a young black boy who exhibited the same behaviors as the um, Virginia Tech shooter, you know, demented behavior, thought processes, and all of that. He's This young man was alive, and they asked him, was he a psycho, and all this other stuff. Meanwhile, the shooter for Virginia Tech was, they had a whole outline of his previous history, the things that he had done, almost giving him the victim role, almost giving him the role of like not being socially accepted, all these other things, whatever the case may be. 
But there are so many shooting situations that are so similar. And yes, I agree that there are instances where there are definitely mental issues and challenges that interfere with a person's decision making. Some instances result from bullying or being intimidated. But nonetheless, the comparison game has to be over. The clear, concise information has to be brought to the table and has to be a clear level of understanding. Because even if it's just a person that was bullied, right, that also has mental trauma as well. That also presents mental trauma. Someone constantly being having to remember the minute someone pushed them or someone took something from them or called them a name and is constantly repeating in their thought process. But there's something deeper that we have to pay attention to, no matter what scenario it is that you look at. We have a situation here where young people are getting a hold of weapons. They're going to these schools, these universities, and they are harming people that may or may not even be responsible for what they have endured or even the things that may even be going on in their personal life and we're losing lives. There has to be a bigger scope here that we look at. What more can we do at home when it comes to our children? What more can we do in the school system that protects other children? Because for the life of me, it's 2021. When I was in high school, you know what I'm saying? Like, like there was no you getting into school with a gun, a knife. We had metal detectors. Now, in some instances, you know, again, you have cases where they're not bringing them into school when they're entering the building. In some cases, you know, they're they're finding secret ways to get into the school and, and cause, you know, mass destruction or issues. But these school shootings, the school is supposed to be the most safest place for you to bring your kid, no matter what end of the scope you're on. And a lot of this also has to do with upbringing. But at what point do we really sink into our brains and realize that we have a huge problem on our hands. We are in 2021. We've had school shootings, mass shootings since the 2000s, over 20 something years of shootings. Over 20 something and probably even before that. And you mean to tell me that we have not yet been able to tackle certain issues to where we don't have the fear of sending our kids to school? We don't have to fear not having our child come home from school, not coming back home the same way you sent them. This makes people not want to put their children in school because it's like, what if my child's school, my teenager's school is the next school to have something happening and where, you know, I can't get to them. It's a fear and it has to be an extreme fear factor, especially for parents on the scope where their child is the one that's pulling the trigger and on the other parent side whose you know, children are in fear after the fact, that caused psychological damage to them as well. What is the turning point that we're missing? What is What are we missing here? Because we have had so many instances, so many times where lives have been lost in school. We're supposed to be going to a school to get an education, to better ourselves, to better ourselves, to make sure our children have some kind of quality level of education and they're getting the tools that they need in order to succeed in life. In order to succeed in life. 
Where is it that we're in school and, and these very things are not happening? These things are not happening. Something has got to give. And don't even let me get into the situations where there were grown adults who have done shootings during school games, you know, for whatever reason. Like, like there are plenty of stories out there like that. There are plenty of stories out there like that. But let me focus your attention to something else. Because this right here, this right here is going to be the straw that broke the camel's back. Let me explain something else that is going on. Mm -hmm. Because this particular situation didn't involve a school. But I just want to show you how in certain situations, the narrative is flipped to make things acceptable instead of having accountability. So I noticed on Twitter how people were so quick to compare Timothy Simpkins to that of, of Kyle Rittenhouse, right? Which to me, both situations can't even be compared because it's two entirely different situations, okay? We have Timothy who was, according to his family, being bullied by other classmates and he took the gun out of the house to defend himself, right? Then we have Kyle Rittenhouse who went to a protest and shot at people and they're trying to justify use of force, okay? So let me let you know what has even happened in the most recent, like literally a day ago. By the time you guys hear this, it'll be two days ago. So let me shine a light on this one for you, okay? So while we're dealing with the situation with Timothy Simpkins, let me tell you what they're about to do for Kyle Rittenhouse. Let me tell you. Because <clears throat> this right here blew my mind, okay? It says that Kyle Rittenhouse's decision to shoot was reasonable use of force, right? So they're going to try to go with this. They're, they're going to try to go with this, okay? And we all know who Kyle Rittenhouse is, okay? It says a use of force expert testified that Kyle Rittenhouse's decision to shoot three people during a riot in Kenosha, Wisconsin last year was reasonable. Reasonable. Yeah. A citizen in that position, given those indicators, would it be reasonable for them to believe that they were about to be assaulted? Expert John Black said Tuesday during a pretrial hearing. The answer was, I would argue, yes. Black spent hours outlining the events leading up to Rittenhouse's decisions to shoot Joseph Rosenbaum, Anthony Huber, and Gage Grosskirch on August 25, 2020. Rosenbaum and Hubbard died as a result and Grosskirch was wounded. Black testified that video shows Rosenbaum chase Rittenhouse and reach for the teenager's gun. Huber asked Rittenhouse, attack Rittenhouse with a skateboard and try to wrestle away his gun. And Grosskutz ran at him with a pistol in his hand. Rittenhouse set to stand trial November 1st on multiple counts, including homicide. The 18-year-old argues he opened fire in self-defense after men attacked him during a riot following the police shooting of Jacob Blake. Black added in his testimony that he had extensively studied bystander video of the shooting and noted that Rosenbaum chased Rittenhouse, threw a plastic bag at him, and reached for his gun. Now, the firearm is a potential weapon for both parties. Now we have a potential wrestling match. After shooting Rosenbaum, Rittenhouse ran down the street, according to a bystander video. So now we have this situation where, they say, where they're going to basically say that hunting laws allow... Kyle Rittenhouse to carry weapon during fatal shooting. 
hunting laws, hunting laws, <laughs> hunting laws, hunting laws. Do you hear this? Hunting laws. Prosecutor Thomas Binger dismissed the defense argument saying Rittenhouse attorney should tell a jury he was hunting on the streets in Kenosha. This is ridiculous. The, the fact that they're going this hard to try to exonerate this dude from what he did having a gun. Like, why did you need a gun at a protest? Then it says Wisconsin law prohibits anyone under age 18 from being armed, but Rittenhouse attorneys argue that state laws only forbid minors to carry short barrel rifles and shotguns. The other prohibitions pertaining to children fall under hunting laws, which say children under age 12 can't hunt with guns. Rittenhouse attorneys said on a hearing Tuesday, he was 17 on August 25th when he fatally shot two men and wounded another man while carrying an AR-15 style semi-automatic rifle at a protest prompted by police shooting. Why did you need a semi-automatic rifle at a protest? You are not law enforcement. You are a minor. But look at all the things that they're trying to do to excuse this. Look at all the defense things they're trying to put in place for this for this young man. And you really mean to tell me that there's not a fair slope, that there's it's not safe to say that there's not a slope when it comes to certain situations and others? Because if, again, if we're going to generalize everything, then everybody should get the mental defense. If we're going to hold everybody accountable, then hold everybody accountable. But to try to do the split road and trying to paint these pictures as if one group has a justification for feeling threatened, for being bullied, for going through personal problems, for having mental issues, and then possibly disregarding those of other people and other sections and other, like this, it has to stop. There's a bigger problem here. And this is not even a school shooting. And look and look at what they're doing here. So I really sincerely ask y'all, where is the common ground? Where is the understanding that there's so much work we have to do? It's not right that these guns, when it comes to these youth, are so easily acceptable or easily acceptable, okay? The last thing you should have to think about when you leave your house is, picking up a gun, going to school, having to shoot someone, having to not face a safe day, having to feel as if the only option you have is to shoot someone, possibly murder them, possibly shoot people around them, possibly kill people that had nothing to do with the issues that were being faced. Accountability has to be held across the board, but there has to be more things that are put in place to where children are safe where children are able to go to school and go home, get their education and leave. Bullying is not something that kids should feel comfortable doing. Being bullied is not something that children should have to be accustomed to. Having to impose a higher act of violence because of cost of trauma should not be a go-to. This has to stop. Seriously, this has to stop. It has to stop and it has to stop now. We've had years of history, years and years of history. Statistics are rising. They're not going down. Everywhere you turn around, it's, the statistics are getting worse. You need, a, you need a chart? Do you need a chart? Because if you need a chart, I have one. I definitely do. I have a chart. I have a chart. 
a breakdown, a serious breakdown. Let's go to it. Whew, this is so deep. Here we go. The deadly mass shootings since Columbine, since people seem to want to start there. Here you have the Marysville Pilchuck High School, Umpqua Community College, Oak Coast University, Santa Monica College, Santa Fe High School, Marjorie Stroman Douglas, Virginia Tech, Northern Illinois University, West Nickel Mine School, Sandy Hook, Red Lake. Four at so you add up all these numbers, four, nine, seven, five, 10, 17, 32, five, five, seven, 26 lives that did not have to be lost lives that did not have to be taken children that did not have to be buried. And, and just, just look at it, just look at it. This is senseless. This is horrible. Oh, and then you want to see how demented things are? Because we can get into the demented aspect of this. How about when it comes to the Columbine situation? How even those two guys were glorified after the fact. Had a, they say they had like a cult-like following. A cult-like following. You want to see that? A cult-like following of people that were proud of what they had done. A cult-like following. Killer has cult of fans long after death. Long after death. You remember these two. Eric Harris and Dylan Kilboyd. Another shooting that didn't have to happen. The attacks become too common in the 17 years since her own son killed 12 of his classmates and a teacher at Columbine High School in Colorado. Now she's analytical, wondering if the gunman hid weapons at home the way her son Dylan did, whether there were warning signs like the one she missed with him. Here you have a parent that is literally trying to see if some of this was even her fault. And that has to be a whole other scenario that she had to have played in her mind. Other mass killers have been obsessed with the Columbine attack, drawing on a wealth of information in books and movies, fan websites dedicated to the shooters, and even a Broadway show. Someone made a Broadway show about a school shooting. She still receives mail from young women across the country professing their love for her son. What? Conversation in media and elsewhere that follow other mass shootings have been frustrating. They seem to dwell on the gory details of a shooter's life while avoiding the larger problems that made the person want to kill and allowed it to happen. People have glorified even oh, now watch this a Broadway show, a Broadway show about the Columbine shooting. Whose bright ass idea was that to make a Broadway show about such a traumatic event in history? 
This was in 2004. Okay, you know, I do remember this. I damn sure do remember it. A play about the Columbine High School massacre written from the perspective of the two teen shooters will make its world premiere in New York next month, penned by a playwright who was nine at the time of the killings and calls it a watershed moment. Nathaniel Sam Shapiro's The Erklings will begin performances on November 9th at Theater Rose Beckett Theater. The play takes its title from a German poem found in a journal of one of the killers. The playwright said he used the teen's killer's own words, called from chat room logs, homework assignments, teacher notes and diaries to paint portraits of two troubled kids, not monsters. The play never depicts the shootings. Regardless, imagine this person wasn't even old enough to understand the severity of this situation. This is the world we live in. This is really the world we live in. The world we live in. And I, I can't make sense of this for y'all. I can't. I can only tell you the following, that something has to give. We should not have to keep seeing these instances occur with these youth. We should not keep having to turn on the news and seeing children being murdered, shot at, at school, elementary school, high school, university. It should not keep happening. Something bigger and broader has to be done. And at some point, we have to completely subtract color from it. And we have to stop being sideways and giving people leeway to have people feel sorry on one hand and then want to condemn everybody else. Every situation clearly at this point is different. In the case of Timothy Simpkins, you have a young black man who says that he was being bullied and the school didn't do nothing about it. Then the school needs to be held accountable for that shooting as well. They should. Because there's no reason why a child or a young man, because they say he's 18 years old, should have to feel that school is so neglectful in being responsible for this young man's well-being. I don't care if he was a millionaire, whatever it is that he had, because apparently he was picked on for his possessions. It shouldn't matter that he's driving to school in a nice car, that he's wearing nice clothes, and that his family has money. That's no reason to bully him. That's no reason to target him. And they also say they're trying to tie this situation into a gang situation that's bothering him as well. He should be able to go to and from as he pleases. Do I condone the gun? No. Do I think he should have grabbed the gun out of his house? No. I think the school system should have done a better job of making sure that this young man was taken care of and that he was protected. Because clearly he didn't feel protected. But that doesn't excuse the decision because he made it of sound mind. As of now, I have not yet seen anything that directs that he may have any kind of mental defect or anything going on with him. Now, if that comes about later, then guess what? The same way people want to accept other people having the mental aspect played into a situation, we have to accept it for him as well. We cannot be one-sided. Because at this point, it seems like there is no equal playing field in analyzing any of these shootings. But I tell you one thing for sure and two things for certain. No matter what happens at the end of this scope, I can say that fortunately for Timothy Simpkins, there was no casualties. Nobody died. Thank God for that. But there are instances where people have deliberately set out to assassinate multiple people and they have given them the image of being victims of their own minds and feelings. But something has to give. I don't know if there needs to be an elevation in mental health services for the youth. If maybe they start doing mental health checks during school, because clearly one guidance counselor cannot handle the overload of a school of hundreds and hundreds of children. 
Maybe there needs to be a special focus on that within these schools. Teachers need to have some kind of additional training to deal with students who may be troubled. There needs to be resources for parents, resources for children overall, because if we're dealing with an epidemic of people who are mentally disturbed due to trauma caused by other classmates and or things that may be going on outside the classroom, then that means that there needs to be more of an effort made to rectify these situations and get these children some help. Otherwise, we're going to have more and more and more and more and more of these shootings. And it's so sad, especially now, after we just went through a year where we all thought we were going to perish from a pandemic, that now that school is back in session, these shootings are still happening. It makes no sense to me. I'm deeply troubled. I'm deeply angered that this continues to happen time and time again. And I pray for all those that have been affected by these shootings, whether they were grazed or actually murdered. But at this point, something has to give. We have to figure something out. There has to be a deeper discussion. There has to be more accountability. If we're going to allow one set to make excuses, then allow all of them to make excuses. If we're going to be accountable, have everybody be accountable. Assess things for what they are. I'm going to pray for Timothy Simpkins and his family in hopes that if this is indeed a situation where this young man fell back into a corner and that his only recourse was to do this. Yes, he should serve some kind of consequence, but there also has to be accountability at all levels, including within the school system that this boy attends. And then we also need to understand how much bullying he endured that made him feel that this is his only option. But we have to be fair about everything. And honestly, at this point, Social media is not helping the situation. It's not. Because people are more so focused on the fact of what the color is instead of what the situation is. And this is a situation that has gone on for way too long. Every person that wakes up and makes a decision, no matter what color they are, has to live with that decision. No matter who you are or where you're from. But I will say, it is indeed noted that when it comes to minorities... They are always painted to be monsters, evil, and all this other stuff. And other people are easily given the timeline of what this person went through when they were a kid, what mental issues they suffered from. Because guaranteed, if Timothy Simpkins had been one of those people that would have unfortunately taken his life at the end of this, if there was an unfortunate casualty, I don't think the news would have made it to where they would have outlined the fact that this child possibly was bullied by classmates for the nice things that he had. Thankfully, he is here and his family is able to defend him and explain some of the things that he's endured that pushed him to that level. Does it make it acceptable? No, because here people who weren't even doing the bullying became victims of gun violence. But something more has to be done. Something more should be done. And again, I told y'all I was not going to be unbiased in assessing all of these stories. I was going to tell you what I saw, what I researched, what I read. It's either up to you to formulate a correct opinion and say that accountability, services, whatever needs to be done in scenarios needs to be done for whoever it is. But the buck passing has to stop here. The passes for one and no passes for other has to stop here. We have to assess and analyze each situation for what it is. If a person was deliberately being venomous and vengeful because they were angry that life dealt them some cars that they weren't okay with, hold them accountable. If they were really going through some mental traumas and things that were not addressed when they were children, yes, get them help, but also still give them a consequence. 
But we have to be honest and we have to be real and we have to tell the truth. And that's all that I'm going to say about that. So you all take care of yourselves and thank you for listening to another episode of the Alien Gang Podcast. I'm open to all opinions when this drops. Take care of yourselves. God bless and have a great day, afternoon or evening.